0: We're continuing this weekend our series in 2 Corinthians. So if you have a Bible and you want to, you can take your Bible and open with me to 2 Corinthians chapter two. This series, we've titled it Verified because there's a lot of things that are fake in the world in which we live and there are a lot of, there are a lot of habits, there are a lot of, um, a lot of ways that people hold themselves out that maybe look Christian on their surface or sound Christian but uh, they, they are not, are not, of Christ. And so this letter in 2 Corinthians that we're looking at through this late summertime is, is teaching us some things that are, like these are, these are true, these are real, these are verified, these are of Christ. And today we're gonna talk about forgiveness and being people who forgive because this is one of the things that Christian people do. So we're gonna be in 2 Corinthians chapter two. And before I read the little paragraph, it's gonna be the base and the authority of what we're gonna talk about today. Let me see if I can kind of tell you what's going on behind the scenes here. So, so scholars and historians, they don't have a lot of agreement on exactly what these circumstances are that lead to this paragraph that we're reading here in just a few minutes. But kind of the, here's the consensus where most historians and scholars agree. So there was, there was a guy in the ancient church of Corinth and something happened. And if you grew up in the church, you might be thinking 1 Corinthians chapter five, and there was a guy in 1 Corinthians chapter five who's engaged in some pretty heinous sin. Could be that, but not necessarily that, more recent thought. So there's this person who's got something going on in their life, and the apostle Paul, out of love for that person and out of love for this church at Corinth, confronted this guy, and this, this guy did what, People who get confronted often do, he he defended himself and he lashed out in ways that were inappropriate towards the Apostle Paul and towards the church at Corinth. And in that lashing out, he he crossed some lines and he crossed some lines pretty severely. So the church at Corinth, their response to that was to engage in what we would call um, church discipline where the majority of the people just looked at that person and said, no, this isn't the way Christian people behave I mean, you can't be part of this and behave that way. And so they actually, they, they set him outside of the church. And that sounds harsh, but they, he had crossed some lines. This is not how Christian people behave and he was not interested in behaving like a Christian person. And so this was, this was positive peer pressure to help him come back to the way that's right. And so they set him outside the church and, and created, there's this distance in the relationship between this Christian person and his church. And it wasn't like in these ancient cities like we experience today where there's a church at every corner and you could go somewhere else. Like these were the Christian people. And he's a Christian guy and now he's isolated because of his behavior and his attitude. And so there's this, this distance between this person who has done wrong, who has since repented, there's distance between this person who's done wrong and repented and the church. And this paragraph we're about to read is the Apostle Paul speaking to that ancient church at Corinth and saying, hey, it's time, to, it's time to close that distance. And in this instruction he gives to them, there's some really important and really helpful things for you and me as 21st century Christian people who live in a world where we do wrong and where we are wronged and we have to figure out how to do all this Together in ways that honor Jesus. So 2 Corinthians chapter 2, starting in verse 5. If anyone has caused grief, he's not so much grieved me, the Apostle Paul, as he has grieved all of you, the church, to some extent, not to put it too severely. The punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient. Now, instead, you ought to forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I urge you, therefore, to reaffirm your love for him. Another reason I wrote you was to see if you'd stand the test and be obedient in everything. Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there's anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake in order that Satan might not outwit us for we're not unaware of his schemes. And so this is is about forgiveness and being forgiving people. And the importance of this is articulated there in the last couple of sentences that this is a spiritual issue that has spiritual consequences. So to jump into this, C.S. Lewis, he wrote this, I think this is in... Entirely true, how so I feel, we all agree that forgiveness is a beautiful idea until we have to practice it, right? I mean, I just, so, in theory, forgiveness is a wonderful thing. When you're the offender, forgiveness is a wonderful thing, that people would grant you grace and receive you back into their lives when you're the party that's hurt. It's a lot harder to talk about. So what I wanna do is I'm, I'm gonna pray here in just a minute because I really believe what we're gonna talk about this weekend for our church is is of critical importance. And I don't have anything in particular in mind, but I'm gonna ask the Lord to put something particular in your mind as we pray. So here's you need to know that I'm getting ready to ask God that if there's somebody that you need to forgive over this next little bit, that he would bring them to your mind. So... And no, no pressure, somebody pops into your head like this, this, is a, this is a spiritual moment this, be, this can be an amazing spiritual moment for some of us here today and find freedom as we walk out of here so, so let me pray for us will you guys bow your head and close your eyes with me so Lord there's a lot at stake in our willingness to forgive our extending forgiveness to the people who hurt us we're all in relationships with people. Those People hurt us. And it's, it's natural and it's easy to hold grudges to be unforgiving. And as we're reading here, there's a, there's a really high spiritual price to be paid. So I'm praying for myself and I'm praying for my friends who are here in this room, who are watching this online. I'm praying that you would, if there is somebody that we need to forgive, I am asking you, to bring that person to mind. and I pray that you would, you would put that person's face in our mind's eye, that their name would be right there, that we would, that you would make this really obvious for us, that, that we would know from you there's some work to do here. And we're really grateful that you're gonna do that in this next little bit. So Jesus, we pray these things, it's for your honor, for your glory, for the good of your name, amen. All right, so forgiveness is a beautiful idea until we have to practice it. I'm gonna give you five statements about forgiveness that I think will be helpful in this next little bit as we engage in this practice of forgiveness. This first one, Satan will devour those who won't forgive. So let's just jump right into it, right? Spiritually, Satan will devour people who won't forgive. These words are written to a church about forgiving a person who has offended them as a group, but it rings true for us as individuals today. And as I look at this statement that I'm offering, you know that Satan devours those who won't forgive, it, it might seem a little more extreme than the words we read there about Satan outwitting us. And you know, Paul's words were that Satan outwits us and Satan devouring you might sound a little more than that. But let me just kind of defend that for you. So, so in the Bible, Satan is, he's presented as the enemy of your soul. He's the enemy of your soul. He's the enemy of God, but he's the enemy of you. He's the enemy of your soul. The, the images that the Bible uses to describe Satan calls him a thief who, whose goal is to kill and steal and destroy. Calls him a serpent. Calls him a dragon. If there's, there's, there's no positive healthy, life-giving inner, um, images of Satan in the scriptures. There's, there's not even any moderate, neutral images of Satan in the scriptures. He is, he is compared to a lion, a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So, so the statement that Satan will devour people who won't forgive is true if satan's schemes involve going after people who hold grudges going after churches small groups families individuals who who won't extend forgiveness and be reconciled back to others if 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 that's if satan if satan has access there you are you're playing games with satan If you refuse to forgive, but you gotta know that that you're not playing board games where if you lose at checkers, you can start over and do best two out of three. Like it's not that kind of game. This is this is Discovery Channel with the antelope who zigs when they should have zagged, and now the lion's on their back. Kind of this is that's the kind of stuff we're talking about here that Satan, the roaring lion, prowling, looking for whom he may devour. He schemes and traffics in unforgiveness. And, and so this, this is an important statement and important for us to recognize just at the beginning of this, That's why there's so much weight on this subject that, that Satan will devour people who will not forgive others. And so even if that sounds radical for you, I'm gonna suggest something to you and I'm gonna ask you to give it some serious consideration here in the next couple minutes. Based on this idea that Satan devours people who won't forgive, so if you are holding a grudge, if you're harboring unforgiveness in your life, and you know it in this moment, because we ask God to make it known to us. So if you're harboring unforgiveness somewhere in your life, and you've got something in your life that won't get better, it could be physical, it could be emotional, it could be relational if you have a grudge and something that won't get better, I would suggest to you that, that you might be falling victim to some of Satan's schemes. Can think about that for just a moment. So, so if you're hearing me, some of you, are having a spiritual aha moment, you gotta receive that as a gift from God. That, that he is connecting some dots for you, maybe that you didn't connect. Because again, Satan is he is the enemy of your soul. He is a master deceiver, and he's really good at hiding the connections. But if you've got unforgiveness in your life and you've got something that won't get better, I'm I think it's worth I think it's worth considering that. That you you might be playing around with a guy who's not playing board games. So so some of you maybe are having a spiritual aha moment. Receive that as a gift from God. Some of you are maybe scratching your head wondering, saying, I'm I'm not sure about that. I I think this is I think this is worth sitting before the Lord. I think this is worth taking this idea to the Lord and saying, Hey, Father, because He's your father, I got this thing in my life that isn't getting better. and I might have some unforgiveness. Is there a connection here? If there's a connection here, will you show me this so I can take care of this? Like sit before the Lord. Don't, you don't have to just take my word for this. Go so sit before the Lord and ask the Lord if this is the thing for you and let him, like, let him speak into that. And the one thing you cannot hear me saying, don't hear me say this at all, is that if you have something in your life that's not getting better, it's because you've not forgiven somebody. I'm not saying that to you. We, we live in a world, where there, are, there are a lot of reasons for why bad things could be going on in our lives, why hard things could be going on in our lives, things aren't getting better in some particular things in our lives that, that are ne- aren't necessarily within our control. It does, I'm not telling you that because you've got a mess over here you have sinned somehow and this is your fault. I'm just telling you that, that Satan devours people who won't forgive and if you've got something happening, there's, there could be something connected there and I think it's worth asking the Lord. Is, is, would you show me something in this? Because Satan will devour you if you won't forgive. We're, we're not unaware of his schemes. And so, so if you're caught in one of Satan's schemes, you gotta be out, you gotta get out of all that. And unforgiveness is your path out of there. So that's the first thing. Satan will devour those who won't forgive. Um, on to equally exciting things. Um, second, forgiveness is mandatory. It is. From start to finish in the Bible, forgiveness is mandatory. There is, there is no place in the Bible where God looks at his people and says, oh, yeah, that was bad. You don't have to, you don't have to forgive them for that. There's not, there's, there's no spot in the Bible where, where we're given any kind of a pass about forgiveness. God consistently looks at his people and he says, hey, you, you have to forgive, and, and the reason is because we have been forgiven. So he's forgiven us and he expects us to be forgiving people. And Jesus talking about this subject, tells a story, puts it in financial terms, talks about how a guy that's been forgiven bazillions of dollars is forgiven that debt and then goes and chokes the people who owe him a few bucks. And just how that story shocks the conscience of the community when somebody who's been forgiven so much refuses to forgive so little and he's helping us see see things from God's perspective. And so, so forgiveness is mandatory. And Jesus also said that you gotta forgive 72 times, you gotta forgive 70 times seven times and I was reading somebody who was probably an English major like me that said, forgiveness is easier than math. So just like, instead of doing the math, well just forgive. But forgiveness is something that is that people who have been forgiven, God requires of those of us, when we, when we are offended, when we have been sinned against, that we would be willing to forgive those who sin against us. If you read through the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us to pray that way, that forgive me for my sins the way I forgive the people who sin against me. And if you're into grudge holding, that's a really scary prayer to pray. So, so there's this, there's this Christian mandate for us to be people who forgive those who sin against us. So forgiveness is mandatory. Um, I was reading in prep for our time together today. I talked to you last week about Corey Ten Boom. Um, Corrie Ten Boom was writing on this subject of forgiveness and she was a prisoner in Nazi concentration camps. And she wrote about a time when she was struggling to forgive somebody who had wronged her. And if I remember the story correctly, she was struggling to forgive one of the prison guards at the prison camp that had held her, had mistreated her, had mistreated her friends. Not a small thing. And so, so this is what she writes. She said that she'd been rehashing the incident. She couldn't sleep. She asked God for help. So God's help came in the form of a kindly Lutheran pastor to whom I confessed my failure after two sleepless weeks. Up in the church tower, the pastor said, nodding out the windows, a bell, which is rung by pulling on a rope. Do you know what? After the sexton lets go of the rope, the bell keeps on swinging. First ding, then dong, slower and slower until there's a final dong and it stops. I believe the same thing's true, forgiveness. When we forgive, we take our hand off the rope. But if we've been tugging at our grievances for a long time, we mustn't be surprised that the old angry thoughts keep coming for a while. They're just the ding-dongs of the old bell slowing down. And then Corey writes, and so it proved to be. There were a few more midnight reverberations, a couple of dings when the subject came up in my conversations, but the force, which was my willingness in the matter, had gone out of them. They came less and less often, and the last stopped altogether. And she says we can trust God not only above our emotions but also above our thoughts. So not only is forgiveness mandatory, here's a beautiful statement for us, forgiveness is possible. It's spiritually possible that God makes forgiveness possible for us, empowering us to do it. He doesn't just say, hey, y'all forgive each other, He, he allows us, he gives us the spiritual resources we need be people who forgive other people, right? So Satan devours those who refuse to forgive. Forgiveness is mandatory. Third thing, restoration should be connected to repentance. Forgiveness is mandatory. Restoration is connected to repentance. So let's just remember behind the scenes, this guy had wronged Paul in a really big way. We don't know what it is. We know that it was bad enough that the people in the church looked at it and were like, you can't do that. And until you're ready, you, you can't be part of us anymore. He wronged Paul in a really big way. And then he, he acknowledged his wrong and he repented and he, he, he seriously repented, he really repented. And the point of this little paragraph is like, hey, he was wrong. He's repented. Restore him back and love him. And this idea of restoration—restoration restoration is connected to repentance. And as I was, as I was staring at that sense, I, I had three things, and these are they're rela- sort of related, but I can't figure out how to make them like you know all just grouped together. So I'm just going to give them to you. So this on this restoration being connected to repentance idea. So. So we hear this, and if you've been wronged, and if there's a piece of you that's still holding on to that, you've been waiting for this sentence, right? Because the, the big fear of forgiveness is that I'm gonna have to maybe let somebody who's wronged me in really big ways back into my life. So, so I think if that's you, you've gotta think about these first couple things. So the, first, the first thing that came to my mind is, that some of us use the repentance thing as a weapon against the person who hurt us, as a way to hurt them back. And here's what I'm thinking in that. And I've, I've seen this, just as a pastor, I've seen this more in marriages than anywhere else. We have one spouse wrong, another spouse, and the wronged spouse sets up this whole thing, set of hoops that the other spouse has to jump through in the name of repentance, and, it's, and the, the, the hoops aren't necessarily inappropriate, it's the spirit of the person setting up the hoops. And it's, this isn't about repentance, this is about you getting your pound of flesh. You're, you're, not, you're not worried about whether they've repented or not, you're using this idea of repentance before you'll let them back into your life, you've weaponized that idea. And, and so we can't weaponize repentance We can't take this idea of somebody they've hurt us really bad and I know that I can't hold a grudge against them and I know that I shouldn't hurt them like they hurt me, but in the church I've been given this repentance thing and I'm I'm going to turn that into the weapon to make sure that I get my pound of flesh in this scenario. So, So restoration is connected to repentance, but But we as people who need to forgive lest we fall victim to Satan's schemes, we can't weaponize repentance, that's the first thing. Second thing that we do with repentance, some of us use repentance as an excuse to not forgive, like somebody's not sorry enough, they're not sorry, they're not sorry enough, so I'm not gonna forgive them. So I was talking to Marie about this um, before I came to church and, and she was reminded of a Scenario from one of our kids' childhood. So um, one of our boys was in fourth grade. It's a, it's a, I wish I could tell you the whole story, but I don't have his permission. So um, fourth grade, he and some of his buddies, they messed with a project that some grown ups had done at their school. And there were fourth graders. So you know, what, nine, 10 years old, and they're knuckleheads, and it was out there. And it, like, I'm like, I would have messed with it as a grownup. But it, so so they messed with this thing and then the grownups at school got mad and they're like, who did it? And they all raised their hand and they said, we did it. We didn't know it was bad. And I was like, well, you should have known it was bad, but they're 10, you know, or nine and they're boys and they didn't know. And and so part of their punishment was to have to write an apology to the people who'd done the project. And I, Marie reminded me, she said, I remember they sent, his, they sent his apology note home because it wasn't long enough. <laughs> and Marie's like, she said, I probably need to listen to this sermon because there's a mom, like mama bear in that moment. But, you know, that's a, we, we laugh and it's a head scratcher sometimes for us, but people do that. They, they take this idea of, you know if there's going to be reconciliation if there's going to be restoration of the re- relationship they got to repent they got to be sorry but they i'm i'm sitting in judgment over whether or not they're really sorry and and so we can use this repentance thing as our justification for not forgiving and again this is this is a heart issue this is not something that anybody from the outside could say to you about your behavior this is this is about motives, this is about the, the thoughts and the intents of your heart in these things. So, so sometimes we weaponize repentance, sometimes we use it as our excuse not to forgive. And then the third thing, this is the backside of this, restoration should be connected to repentance. Some of you keep letting multiple offenders into your life. You should stop. And I say that, like, I'm not chewing you out, I, I share your it hurts to see, to see you let people who, who are not, who have not repented from the damage they've inflicted in your life, they have not changed, and for your reasons, you let them back in. And so I just wanted to say that with those first two things, I gotta say this third one, repentance has to proceed restoration. And some of y'all been letting people back into your lives before they've repented and they are, they are repeat offenders to you. And so, so hold on to this, that until repentance has happened, until a person has, they have understood what they did, that it was wrong, they have acknowledged that it is wrong and they are going a different direction, don't let them back in. You don't, Don't let them back in, boundaries between you and them because they're bringing Satan's stuff into your life. And so it is okay to look at somebody who will not, has not repented and say, I'm forgiving you, I'm not demanding a pound of flesh. So I'm forgiving you, but you can't can't come back into this relationship until you're safe. And so so repentance should be connected to restoration. Repentance has to precede restoration. And you gotta check your heart on why you're looking at that repentance thing and saying no to other people. So, So repentance should precede restoration. Here's the fourth thing. Grudge holding hurts everybody involved. It hurts everybody involved. I mean, it hurts you, and you know that. It hurts you, it can hurt you physically. Angry people, people who won't forgive, they have more stuff going on in their life physically than people who are good at forgiving. Science backs all that up. It hurts you emotionally. You're carrying around a weight um, it hurts you relationally. It hurts in every way. I can't remember who said it. I probably heard on the radio somewhere that that you know, being holding a grudge is like drink, drinking poison, trying to hurt somebody else. You know, it just it it's, it hurts you. It also hurts. It hurts the other person if they've been repentant. I, mean, I just I keep looking at this statement that you've got this truly repentant person who who needs to be forgiven and comforted so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. And so I urge you to reaffirm your love for him. And and that grudge holding and keeping that person who has truly repented away from some sort of restoration can overwhelm them and push them under I mean if you just think in terms of water just like you just you can push them and hold them underwater if if you're going to continue to hold that grudge, and then the other people involved like the your circle of influence because this is about forgiveness and so if it's in a family, it hurts the rest of the family if it's in a small group it hurts the rest of the small group If it's in a church it hurts the church if it 's in a workplace it hurts the workplace it it hurts everybody who's involved when you have two people who are at odds with each other and particularly when you've got somebody who just won't turn loose to something and in a spiritual environment, like your home, your small group, our church, in spiritual environment, grudge holding opens the door for Satan to walk in. And I know that sounds extreme, but it's true. The people who hold grudges hold the door open for Satan to bring his desires, his plans, his steal, kill, and destroy into not just your life but into your home and into the group, into your circle of influence. This grudge holding thing hurts everybody who's involved. No good news so far. I keep looking for it. All right, here it is, number five, forgiving in the sight of Christ, enables deep forgiveness. Okay, and I I wanna acknowledge that forgiveness happens in layers. If you haven't been hurt deeply, you may not know that yet. But people who've been hurt deeply by somebody else, you know that there's no just, just shaking this off. For real, I'm okay, I forgive you. Forgiveness is a decision we make. It's a, it is a thing we do. And then sometimes you gotta get up and do it again tomorrow. So forgiveness happens in layers. And I love the language that the Apostle Paul uses here when he talks about his forgiving of this person who wronged him. He said, I have forgiven them in the sight of Christ. I've done that for your sake, because grudge holding hurts everybody. I've forgiven him in the sight of Christ so that Satan may not outwit us. I've forgiven him in the sight of Christ. Deep forgiveness can happen in the sight of Christ. So I want you to think about this with me for a minute. So you've, you've got this grudge. And you got Jesus right here. In the sight of Christ. So I was reading on this and scholars don't know what to do with this statement. They have all kinds of ideas about it. So here's where I'm landing. The Lord Jesus who has forgiven you is standing here watching you holding this grudge. So in your mind, what's the look on his face? Because what you think about him, like this, is an, this, is important, this is an important question. We're sitting here in the sight of Christ in this moment. You you gathered with other people, whether that's under this roof or at our our virtual location. You've gathered with other people in Jesus' name today. And we are in the sight of Christ and you're holding this thing. He's not frowning at you. Can I just tell you that? I don't know what what facial expression you've put on it. He's not frowning at you. He's not shaking his head like so disappointed in you. You know he's looking at you right now. He's got like anticipation on his face, because he's offering you a moment to do something that is going to make all the difference for you. He's offering you one of these freedom moments, and so he's he's got this look of like I have given you I've. I'm putting a gift in front of you, take it. He's he's offering you this moment to receive this gift that he wants to give you and and he sees your heart and your willingness to cooperate with him and he is smiling over that. And so so you have to know that in this moment in the sight of Christ, you don't have anything to be afraid of, you don't have anything to be ashamed of, You you don't have anything that you need to worry about because you've been holding this grudge because you're getting ready to turn it loose and he's, he's really excited for you to get the gift, the freedom that comes with being a person who forgives other people. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna have an in the sight of Christ forgiveness moment. I'm gonna ask the band to come back up here. And they're gonna play and sing a song over us. And... In just these next couple minutes, those of you who know, because when we prayed, you know that there's somebody that you need to forgive. This is, this is your moment. This is the moment for you. You are in the sight of Christ and forgiveness happens in the sight of Christ and when we forgive in the sight of Christ, we can forgive deeply and so some of you are gonna, you're gonna find freedom in this moment. So this, is, this statement is for you, just what I am forgiving today, I am forgiving in the sight of Christ. Because maybe you've tried to forgive before. Maybe you've, maybe you've been through this, maybe you've done this 100 times, maybe in, in the back of your mind listening to me through this whole thing saying, I have done this, I have done this, I've done this, it always comes back. But you're doing it today in the sight of Christ and so what I'm forgiving today, I am forgiving in the sight of Christ and to give you an opportunity to express what you're forgiving. So we have this phone number I'm gonna put on the screen. So whether you're here in person or whether you're watching this online, this is a number for you to text. And you can text in church, it's all right. I am forgiving, initials, name, whatever you want for, whatever you wanna write in there. And you're gonna get an automatic reply back with just a little Bible verse blessing to you. I might read these. Nobody else is gonna see him. This isn't my cell phone. This is just, it's a number we've got set up for this stuff. This is, so this is private. This is a moment for you, between you and the Lord, where you could do some really deep work in what you forgive. You're forgiving in the sight of Christ. So bow your head and close your eyes with me, please. I'm gonna pray for us. These guys are gonna sing. You're gonna forgive. Let the Lord do his thing. So Father, thank you for the gift of forgiveness that you have given to us and that you have called us to extend to the people who are around you. So for these next couple minutes, I pray for my friends. I pray that we would, maybe some people need, you need to receive the forgiveness that God is offering to you in Jesus so you've got something to extend. And so we would receive this forgiveness that you have given to us in Jesus and and that we would release, we turn loose of this grudge, the hurt, the wounds, the desire to see somebody pay us back in some way. We'd turn loose of all of that. Jesus, we're doing all this in your sight, so we're really doing it. So what we forgive in these next couple of moments, we forgive in your sight. We pray these things in your name.
1: The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was born with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. come today there's no reason to wait Jesus is calling bring sorrows and trade them for joy from the ashes a new life is born Jesus is calling oh come to Fresh. Precious blood of Jesus Christ. Bear your cross as you wait for the crown. Tell the world of the treasure you found.
0: to give you this phone number again. If you're sitting there thinking, I'll do it later, don't wait. Please don't wait. You have forgiveness. You have received it from the Lord, and there's freedom in extending it to other people, and this is just a way to shine some light and some darkness that got a hold of your life. So we want you to walk in that freedom and walk in that light. So thank you guys for being here today, being part of this worship service this weekend know the Lord has great things for you, not just in this moment, but as you walk out of this place into the week that he has ahead of you, I'm excited for you to experience God's best this weekend into the week. So I love you guys. Have a great rest of your weekend. We'll see you next week.